Matthew chapter 13. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 13. When I was a kid growing up, we were real poor. Actually, we were, we were referred to as the people that lived on the other side of the tracks, railroad tracks. And, um, boy, you could hear that train. Pretty soon you kind of got used to it, I guess. Uh, and so this morning I woke up and I heard a train coming through. And I had a flashback until I opened my eyes and I realized, well, I, I was, we were staying in the mercy suite. And I thought, maybe I have died and gone to heaven. Look at this, you know. Beautiful place. Thank you so much, church and pastor, for that. Matthew chapter 13. Uh, if you'll stand with me, please. I'd just like to read here. How many of you know there are... I just pushed something. Is that a bad thing? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Pulpit disappears or something. <laughs> this place is booby-trapped. How many of you know there are mysteries in the Bible? Won't you be glad to get to heaven and you can kind of figure out some of these mysteries? Well, the, the Bible says here in uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 10, And the disciples came and said unto him, Jesus, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? By the way, I have asked that too. Lord, why don't you just make it real plain for the rest of us people? And I think the disciples were resting with it. But here's what he said. Verse 11, he answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it's not given. Now you think about it, it was very kind of the Lord. When he spoke in parables, some people out there, the ones that were trying to catch him in his words, the ones that were not there for the right motive, they kind of walked away scratching their heads. But the people that had open hearts, ah, the Spirit of God, brought that mystery into their hearts. Now, it was really kind of the Lord, because when you know the truth and you reject it or don't do anything with it, there's, there's judgment. So he was really kind to the Pharisees and Sadducees to make to them a mystery so they wouldn't be judged and condemned so bad. Does that make sense to you? Father, uh, the mystery that we want to look at tonight now, you're the only one that can dispense truth. We can read about it, talk about it. So, Holy Spirit, would you tonight, in that special way that only you can, dispense the truth that we're looking at from your wonderful book? Now, that's what I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, would you go with me to the book of uh, Ecclesiastes, middle of the Bible, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. I think there's one verse that kind of sums this whole thing up, the message tonight. And here's what I want to talk to you about. The mystery of the Christian train ride. Whether you know it or not, we're all uh, moving from here to there, a place called heaven. How many of you excited about the rapture? Okay, but now don't get too excited because when you think about it, if the rapture was to occur tomorrow, we're only going to be in heaven seven years. And then where are we going to be? Yeah, so don't get too irritated with uh, Hammond or Chicago or stuff because guess what? You're going to be right back here for how long? A thousand years. 
But there's some mysteries in life. And uh, so here in Ecclesiastes, I think it kind of sums up this mystery of the Christian train ride. Here's what the Bible says. Chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Consider the work of God, for who can make that straight which he hath made crooked? In the day of prosperity, be joyful, rejoice. But in the day of adversity, consider, consider. God also has set the one over against the other to the end that man should find nothing after him. So in other words, there's one God and he can figure these things out, but we maybe we can't. Does that make sense? The mystery Christian train ride. Now, we're going to be boarding up on the train tonight in Acts chapter 12. So if you'll go there with me, Acts chapter 12. Now, I will just say to you from the very beginning, a railroad track, it has two tracks. A train runs on those two tracks. Now, here's the mystery. This mystery that I want to share with you tonight I have seen over and over again, have destroyed Christians, good people, because they didn't understand this mystery. Here's the mystery about the train ride that we're on. Catch this now. Good and evil run on parallel tracks, and they usually arrive about the same time. If you're raising kids, sooner or later you'll hear one of them say, but mom, that's not fair. You know what that means? That means they're on this train ride, and this whole thing of what's fair and what's not fair is becoming a mystery to them. How many of you know we can't get some of this stuff figured out? Only God can figure this what's fair. It becomes a mystery, this train ride. Good and evil run on parallel tracks, and they usually arrive about the same time. Acts. Chapter 12. And by the way, when you're reading the scripture, could I just encourage you? Instead of speed reading, it wasn't written to be read in a quick, fast. I remember as a young Christian, okay, I'm going to read through the Bible in a month. Well, first of all, you have to quit your job, and even after you could read it in a month, you have no clue what it said. See? So... I think what's very valuable is to read Scripture and then stop and maybe put yourself in the verses. These people were real people just like you and I. Acts chapter 12, verse 1. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. Now stop. See, we're doing it again. Eleven words totally flip-flop the life of a family in the New Testament. Uh, you know who it was? James. He was the pastor of the church there in Jerusalem. And in just one quick move, think about this. Now, see, this won't make sense to you and actually, until you actually put your heart in there. So here's James and his wife. We don't know her name, but Mrs. James back before birth control, and I don't know how many children, but all of a sudden, a knock came on the door. And Mrs. James probably went to the door, opened it up, and guess who were there? Soldiers, Roman soldiers. They stormed into the house. By the way, we're seeing some of that today. They stormed into the house. 
They arrested James, drug him out. These poor little old children and his wife, Mrs. James, were in a panic mode. Mom, Mom, what, what are they doing with Dad? Did Dad do something bad? No, he didn't do something bad. But the church was under persecution. Now, church, listen to me. You better look around. The church today is under persecution. And it was a mystery. Now, what do you think she did? If you were there, what would you do? Uh, I know they didn't have cell phones, but today you'd probably get on the cell phone. He's the pastor. And call as many as you can in the church. Pray, pray for my husband. Uh, pray for Pastor James. He's just been arrested. You hear what I'm saying? So, I mean, the church was shocked that this had happened. But the next thing they hear is what? Well, here's the first little widow in the church. It was the day before women were really in the workaday world. So I bet you there were a thousand things going through her mind. Church people were probably knocking on the door and praying for her. Now, let's pick it up, though. Here we go back. The Bible says after uh, he, she, uh, he had killed James with a sword, and because he had saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Now, what was the plan? Do the same thing. Then were the days of unleavened bread, and when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quadrants of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people and to do what? Kill him. Now, think with me for a second. So all of a sudden, terrible things happen to Mrs. Peter. They're at home, knock on the door, soldiers storm in, arrest her husband, little kids crying. It's like it's happening all over again. He's put in jail. But if you read on, an unusual thing happens. Remember what happens? All of a sudden, he's in jail, chained up to some soldiers, and in the, in the middle of that um, uh, prison, the angel of the Lord shows up, kind of nudges Peter. Peter, get up, put on your jacket, put your shoes on. And all of a sudden, the Bible says that the iron gates on their own just started opening up. Actually, the Lord pulled off a jailbreak. And Peter's standing out there in the middle of the street. Uh, is this a dream? Is this not a dream? So what does he do? He runs over to where the church was having a prayer meeting, knocks on the back gate, and here comes a little gal, Rhoda. She said, who is it? It's me. Now, when I call my wife, I don't have to say, hi, this is Tom Souter, your husband, that you travel with all the time. She just knows my voice. Rhoda was so shocked and amazed because the church was praying probably just like they were praying for James's wife. Are you hearing me? So finally they opened the door. They couldn't believe it. She, the people praying, they could not believe that Peter was standing out there. They opened the door. He came in. And can, now just picture this. Can you imagine the shouting and rejoicing? He's back. He's here. How did that? That's supernatural. Everybody was so excited except for one little woman over here in the corner with all of her little kids, Mrs. James. 
All of a sudden, Mrs. James's theology was under severe attack. You know what she was saying? Put yourself there. You know what you would be saying. You know what I would say. Well, wait a minute, God. Did you like Peter and his family more than me and my husband? This just doesn't seem fair. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But you see, it's that mystery train ride. What did I say? Good and evil run on parallel tracks, and they usually arrive about the same time. Now be careful. In the day of adversity, don't jump off the train, and most of us do, but stay there because, you see, it's got two tracks. Hang on to the train because there's going to be a day of rejoicing coming along. You with me? So here I am, young preacher, and um, this family visited our church. I went over to their house one evening, knocked on the door, visiting with them. They had two teenagers, boy and a girl. I sat around the table and shared the gospel with them. They were really interested. I mean, they were listening. And uh, at the end of it, the mom and the dad and the Son and the daughter both knelt down from their heart and got saved. And then they had a lot of questions, so I was there till midnight. So, and so driving home, man, I'm rejoicing. I'm singing. The windows are down. I mean, why wouldn't you? I just sat there and witnessed four people step over into eternity and hell on their way to heaven. And I got about a block or so from the parsonage, and I'm singing, rejoicing what I'd seen the Lord do. And all of a sudden, boom, blowout on my front tire. So I'm kind of flapping my way to the parsonage. I got a half a block down the road, boom, another blowout back here. And, and so we have just little town, 400 people in town, and there was a, just one little business, it was a garage. So I just kind of aimed the thing to the garage parked it, left the keys in it, and walked to the parsonage. Steal it. You can have that car, you know. Isn't that funny? Then I kind of got mad, quite frankly, and I said, isn't it just like the devil? God does something supernatural, and then he shows up, see? Now, see, what, what am I saying? Good and evil run on parallel tracks, and they usually arrive about the same time. And so the next morning I called uh, the guy, and I said, uh, Hey, hey, Tom, that's my car parked out. He said, yeah, man, what happened? I said, I don't know, construction or something. I had a couple blowouts. I said, do you have any old used car uh, tires? You know, those are preacher tires. And he said, well, let me look around. I'll see what I can do. Uh, when can I pick it up? Well, about 10 o'clock. I said, okay. So I'm walking down to the garage, 10 o'clock. And as I get close to my car, I'm seeing on this one side of the car uh, two brand-new blue wall they're so new that the, they haven't got the blue off the white wall. Tires, I'm thinking, oh, my word. Did he misunderstand me? I looked on the other side, two more tires, brand new. And I said, to, hey, Tom, I think there's a mistake. I, I just needed a couple of used tires. He said, well, a funny thing happened. Guy came in this morning to get gas, and he said, man, what happened to that old boy over there? He's got a flat tire. He said, you haven't seen anything. Look over here. Showed him both sides, and he said he wanted to anonymously 
buy you four brand new steel-belted Michelin tires. Probably more than the whole car, to be real frank with you. <laughs> now, what are we saying? Catch this now. Be careful in our judgment. How many of you know we're judgy people? You see something happen to somebody and you say, well, bless God, probably some kind of sin in their life. You know how we are. <clears throat> Listen to me. Good and evil run on parallel tracks, and they usually arrive about the same time. You know what I would say to you? Don't be too judgmental and stay on the train. Now look at another writer, if you would, for a second. Go with me to Genesis chapter 45. Genesis chapter 45. Now while you're going there, by the way, these people that have ridden on this mystery uh, Christian train, they've got something to teach us here. While you're going to Genesis 45, really the story starts in Genesis 37, remember, Jacob had a bunch of boys, and kind of his youngest one, I think it was his favorite. How do you know that it was probably his favorite? Yeah, his dad fixed him up with this fancy little coat of many colors. Now, his brothers didn't, didn't buy into that. They didn't like that. They called him the dreamer, and he probably made a mistake by it, sharing with the whole family this dream that he had, that the... Uh, all of the brothers were going to bow down to him, and even mom and dad. Now, that doesn't usually set well at all. And uh, <clears throat> so then his dad asked him to go check on the brothers out there tending the sheep and the flock, wherever they were. And as he got closer, he, did, how many of you read the story? So his brother, brothers say, oh, wait a minute. Who is it? Ah, that's our brother, the dreamer kid. And so they started plotting. And when he got there, they rough handled him. Now, just... Think about this now. How would you feel? They ripped his coat off, this fancy little favorite daddy's boy coat, and dipped it in blood. We're going to take it back and send the message. This son of yours has died at the hands of a wild beast. Then somebody had taken a, a biblical financial course, and they said, why don't we sell this kid? Make some money. Remember? So they pulled him out of the pit sold him into slavery, he winds up in Egypt. Now, here's what I want to say to you. <clears throat> All of a sudden, he begins to discover that he's finding favor with God. Now, let me just say this something to you. One day of favor with God is equal to a hundred days of labor for man. Follow the favor trail. Now, all I'm saying to you is, so he, you know the story. So he winds up in Potiphar's house, and, and he's doing great. He just keeps getting promoted. And then Potiphar's wife uh, tries to seduce him. He runs out of his coat, and he winds up in prison. And in prison, what happens? He's found favor. And pretty soon, he gets to be second in command because of interpreting Pharaoh's dream. Seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. How many of you remember the story? So now think about this. Then all of a sudden, he's in charge of all the food supplies when the drought comes of all of Egypt. And there was a famine in his homeland. And his dad sent the other brothers down to get some grain. 
And in the middle of that, they don't even recognize him. He was just a little punk kid whenever they got rid of him, they thought. And now he's a grown man, quite frankly, catch this, raised in another culture, learned another language. They didn't even recognize him until he spoke Hebrew to them and they discovered who he was. Now, Genesis chapter, what did I say? 45, verse 8. Here's what he said to them. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh, and lord of all his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. In other words, in Genesis 50, you meant it for evil, but what? God meant it for good. Isn't that interesting? Joseph had to ride that mysterious train. Good and evil run on parallel tracks, and they usually arrive about the same time. What a challenge in life, see? Now, you've got to be careful when things happen in your life that you don't get judgmental of yourself or other people. I'm just saying to you, stay on the train. Yeah, but you don't know what my marriage is like. Well, I do know this. All these years in marriage counseling, I know what it's like when you're not married. I know what it's like on the other side of the tracks. It would be better to stay in that marriage, get counsel, work things out. Yeah, but you don't know my mom and dad, and that's why I'm leaving. Well, I do know this. I know what it's like not to have a mom and dad. It's not rosy on the other side of the tracks. Now, go with me to, if you would, here just for a second, uh, Matthew, please. Matthew chapter 27. Even God's Son was required to ride this mysterious Christian train ride. Matthew chapter 27. I want to start here in verse 20, if I could. Now, here's the setting. Jesus Christ, this miracle-working prophet, declaring himself to be the Messiah. Even his disciples were... They saw the miracles, but is it really him, you know? And so now he's been arrested, and now he's standing before Pontius Pilate. Remember Pontius Pilate's wife? She said, now have nothing to do with this just man. I've suffered many things in a dream. Husband, this is a just man. So even Pilate was trying to figure out how he could get away from uh, the pressure that was going on with the Pharisees and the scribes. And so pick up the reading here. See, by the way, now, you and I will never really appreciate Scripture if we don't put our heart in the words. So, um, verse 19, When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with this just man, for I have suffered many things uh, this day in a dream because of him. 
But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. So Pilate was trying to be a politician and, and listen to his wife. And he, he was there. He heard all the rumors. This wonderful prophet, this wonderful preacher was raising people from the dead, was healing people. But all of a sudden, it was that time of the year whenever, and our presidents do that. Every president, when they leave office, what will they do? They'll pardon a bunch of people, see? And uh, so that was kind of the custom. On this particular time, then he, he could maybe pardon somebody. Now, his heart was to pardon Jesus. But the Pharisees and Sadducees, they weren't into that at all. And so he was saying, here he said, um, Verse 21, the governor answered and said unto them, whether of the twain of you, uh, 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 said unto them, whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? And they said, Barabbas. Okay, now look, I can tell this isn't meaning anything to you. So could you help me here for a second? By the way, how many times have you ever read this before? A lot of times. Okay, now I want to be Pilate tonight, and I want you to be the mob. You look like you could do that. Okay, so I'm going to read what Pilate says, and I want you to read out loud. You're an angry mob. I was in the racial riots in the 60s, and I know what angry mobs are all about. I was a policeman, got saved as a policeman. So I'm going to start reading here in verse 21. And the governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? And they said... Okay, you sound like a Christian mob. (laughs) This was a mob of people that hated Jesus. Okay, let's try it again. Whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? And good, that sounds better. Now it's getting a little scary, though. I'll have to tell you the truth. Um, And the governor, Pilate, Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? And they all said unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they all cried out the more, saying, Okay. So there were two people front and center, Jesus and Barabbas. Now, Barabbas deserved death. I've been over there, and where the praetorium is, it's kind of an outward, outside courtroom. Uh, Not far away is uh, kind of the prison. It's a dungeon. You go down in the ground. That's where they held the prisoners that were going to come out for court. Well, we did that when I was a policeman. Certain floor. Actually, we're living in the jail right now. Isn't that neat? Kind of brought back a lot of memories. Not real fond memories, but... So, but, so then you would check them out down the elevator and bring them into court. Now, catch this. We know what happened to Jesus three days, three nights. Boom, it's all over. But what about Barabbas? Nobody thinks about Barabbas. He's down there in the jail, down in the prison. And if you're that far away from the praetorium, you, you recognize, you realize that you can't really hear one person talking. But if it's an entire mob talking, 
then you can make out what's being said. Now, you be Barabbas for just a second. We're kind of finishing up here. But you be Barabbas down there. You can't hear one person speaking. You can't hear Pilate. It's not loud enough. But you can hear a mob. You be Barabbas, and let's do this one more time. Now, a mob, okay? Verse 21. And the governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? And they said, so Barabbas is down there. Here's his name. Barabbas. Oh, oh, I know I deserve what I'm going to get. Verse 22. And Pilate said unto them, What shall we do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? And they all said unto him, Let him be crucified. Now you're Barabbas. You can hear the crowd. Verse 23. And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they all cried out the more, saying, Okay, here's what Barabbas is hearing. Barabbas! Let him be crucified! And he thinks they're talking about him. Let him be crucified! Now, you see, look, the scriptures won't come alive until you put yourself in there. So all of a certain, sudden, you think about this, you can hear the jailer, Barabbas hears the jailer coming down the steps, chain the keys jangling, and they come to his cell, and he's thinking, I know I probably deserve this, but nobody wants to be going in the next load. And he's backing up in the corner, unlocks the jail. A couple of the guys come in and drag him out of the prison up to the very streets. They get up there and they say, you're free to go. He's probably suffering from cardiac arrest. <laughs> but he's part of this mysterious train ride. Catch this. Good and evil run on parallel tracks. And they usually arrive about the same time. Just about the time you think you've got something figured out in life, guess what? Another train track shows up. Oh. See, I was mad at the devil for blowing out the tires until the other train track, a, a train track group, uh, showed up. Last person, we're done. Job, please. I think he was probably one of the first people that ever rode on this train. <laughs> Mysterious train. Uh, Job chapter 1, I'm going to land this plane. It's a pretty simple, two special points that we learned from Job. Remember Job lost everything, even his little wife turned on him. Why don't you just curse God and die? By the way, you can lose favor in a lot of people and still make it, but when, when your spouse turns on you, it, it makes a pretty tough, mysterious Christian train ride. So here's what Job says in chapter 1, verse 21. After all these things that happened, here was his conclusion. And he said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. Catch this. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job uh, sinned not, nor charged God's foolishness. You know what he said? He said, well, all I know is this. Catch this now. God owns the train. So you don't have to figure out all the mysteries in life. You just have to decide whether you're going to stay on the train. Are you going to stay in the marriage? Are you going to stay in church? 
There's no question you can get offended at anything. But the question is, have you, have you and I learned this mysterious principle that good and evil run on parallel tracks and they usually arrive about the same time? Job's conclusion over this whole terrible thing was, I still believe that God is in charge of the train. And then there's another thing that we learn. Chapter 2, after his wife, um, <clears throat> verse 9, then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. And he said, uh, said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. In other words, honey, you're kind of talking like a, a lost person. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil? In all this, did not Job sin with his lips? Here's the second truth, last truth. He said, sweetheart, this is just a test. See this mysterious Christian train ride? Church, listen to me. It's just a test. Good and evil run on parallel tracks, and they usually arrive about the same time. It's just a test. Catch this. Pass the test, and God has a legal right to bless you twice as much. Yeah, but you don't know the parents that I have to live with. Maybe not. But I'm sure there are worse parents and probably better parents. But stay on the train, and God will bless you twice as much. Yeah, but I don't think you really understand who I'm married to. I understand. Listen to me. Stay in that thing. Pass the test. It's just a test. God has a right then to bless you twice as much. Good and evil run on parallel tracks, and they usually arrive about the same time. Father in heaven, 